0: I hope you've been able to realize that God is truly active in this congregation. We've become more and more aware of that as 2016 has rolled on. And we have great hope that in 2017, more and more things will be accomplished to God's glory. Back this summer, um, Jordan and Meredith Brown were talking to me about an event called A Night to Shine and I'd never heard of this before. I, I'd heard of Tim Tebow, but I'd never heard of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And the more I heard about this opportunity, the more interested that I became. What was extremely compelling was the passion that Jordan had for this. And as he was telling me about it, I said, well, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get involved in this. And... Um, And one of the things he told me along the way, I hope I'm not giving away a spoiler here, Jordan, but if I am, you've been warned. (laughs) He said, you know, you have to apply for this, and I'm not so sure that we'll get picked. I said, okay, well, it's worth trying. And so we went into it very nonchalantly thinking, well, we showed up for the game, you know. We didn't finish the marathon, but at at least we had our gear on and we were ready to go. I, I was impressed when the message came back from the foundation saying, you've been picked, and we're going to support you in this. And ever since then, I've been convinced more and more, we talk about opportunities. This is an amazing opportunity. And I think that God is preparing this congregation for things just like this, for times just like this. I don't want to... Uh, tell you about it I want you to hear it with the same passion that I heard it from from Jordan Uh, Jordan and his wife Meredith have both been involved in helping those with special needs and we believe that many of you are as well and so I want you to hear it from him Jordan would you come up here I'd like to ask the Lord to bless you as you speak to us this morning Father, I want to thank you for Jordan. I want to thank you for his family. I want to thank you for servants like Jordan who see what you put before us and then call the rest of us to join in. He's both a leader and a servant. And Father, I pray that you would bless him with the words that need to be spoken today and that you would give us the attentiveness and the hearing knowing that all of this is done to your glory and to minister to those that you especially love and Father, I pray that we will show your love and show this glory to a community that so desperately needs to know what pure religion is. Father, I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, Jordan? I
1: want to repeat Brent's welcome to everyone, um, especially to the visitors. Um, if you are just passing through, um, if you're visiting friends or family, or if you just stumbled in off the street looking for a place that's warm and dry, you're welcome here. Always welcome here. Um, We want West Ark to feel like home. We want you to feel like family. And saying all that, I think it's pretty obvious that that we've got a great pulpit minister in Chris, uh, but because of dental surgery, he is sitting down there, and you're going to get the third string sound guy. Um, And the reason that I sit up there is so that I don't have to do this at least very often. At the beginning of the year, the elders gave us four words that we could all work on um, in ourselves to try and make us a more accommodating congregation. Um, And as an introvert, these four words scare me to death. These are not my strong suits. These are not my talents. Yeah, Um, but I try. Um, And as Chris mentioned, we we found a, a great way to take these four words and and use it in our community and and invite the community in and so that those of you who do excel in these four areas, uh, us introverts, can introduce them to to you guys. Um, There's a ministry that that God has been preparing us for 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 over 20 years. Um, And over the last couple of months, this ministry has really started to come together. And I'll give you some more details about how God has been using us in that. Uh, But before I do that, I want to remind you what a mighty God we serve and what a radical God we serve. I was reminded of this last week uh, when Chris and his thoughts before the Lord's Supper took us to Luke 22. And as many times I do as the plates are being passed, I, I read a little before the verses that he read and I read a little after, and I ran across these verses. Luke 22, verses 26 and 27, but among you, and this is Jesus talking, but among you it will be different. Those, are who the, those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Servanthood. Um, And when I read this verse, I was reminded of a probably more popular scripture, Matthew 20, verses 16. But those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. As a kid growing up in church, I struggled with this verse. Um, In my very immature mind, I thought of it as as walking into a restaurant, and and you hold the door open because you want to be gentlemanly and you want to be chivalrous. And a family is coming in, and, and so you hold the door open for them. And then as the last person with that group comes, passes through your door, then another group comes. And, and so you don't want to slam the door on them, so you keep holding that door open. And then another group and another group. And by the time you round the door, the line is now backed all the way up to the door. And now you're 30 or 45 minutes from, from getting your meal. Um, and that's, that's what my mind always went to. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get a, a, another star in my crown. I'm going to get a room added to my mansion because God wants me to be last in that soup line. Um, I want to demonstrate how I've matured, and I, again, I don't grasp this verse completely, but I want to, want to tell you how I view this now, and I want to use three people in demonstrating my, my mature view of this, um, the hero, the zero, and Tim Tebow. Uh, I want to briefly talk about the first two, and by the way, if you know who Tim Tebow is, you probably already categorized him in one of those top two options. Um, if you 're a razorback fan like me he 's not the top one um, but but again he 's done some great things. Um, but first, talk about the hero. If you were going to write the Bible, who would you make the heroes be? Certainly, Christ is the hero, but who would his supporting crew be? What would the, the actors around him look like? Uh, would you choose the kings and the queens of the day? the people with superhuman powers, and, and some people back then had them, or would you choose farmers and shepherds? Hebrews chapter 11, I've heard it called All My Life, instead of the Hall of Fame, it is the Hall of Faith. Um, it lists lots of different people um, and talks about their attributes and how they demonstrated their faith. Um, and when you look at that list, there's some pretty flawed people up there. Um, if I were to ask you who your Bible hero was, how many of you would say Rahab the prostitute? Um, how, many, how many messages do we hear about them? How many times does she get taught in our children's in the flock? Um, and yet here she is listed among heroes of their faith. Um, Jesus, when he comes and he starts choosing his closest people that he's going to deal with on a day-in and day-out basis, um, fishermen, tax collectors, uh, people that that when you think of great people, you usually don't start with with these types of people. The first time I heard something like this, I was at Teens in Russellville. Uh, One of the speakers said that if God can use a drunk like Noah, a murderer like Moses, an adulterer like David, a liar like Jacob, a womanizer like Samson, and a dead man like Lazarus, then he can use you. Seen it more succinctly stated on church marquees that said, "God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called." And I don't have any problems believing that God can use you, that He can use the Tigners or the Carols where they're at, um, the Carson's in Honduras, the West Ark Youth Group, and all the different places that they go. What I have a problem with is believing is that God can use me, um, an introvert, somebody who's not a public speaker, somebody who doesn't have this huge group of friends running around. Um, but God can use anyone, which brings me to my next group of people. On the way home from work a while back, I was listening to the radio, and the DJ invited his listeners to call in and answer the question, it's been a good day when? And you were supposed to fill in the blank. Um, He had several callers call in, and, and then a high school teacher calls in and says, it's been a good day when I've taught someone something and I didn't have to yell at anybody. That means it's a good day. And and Scripture doesn't apply this to Jesus. But if we do, when do you think Jesus' best days were? Jesus ran into some people um, who they thought that they were the Bible heroes of their day called the Pharisees. Um, And and the Bible records a couple of interactions with them. I grabbed the second one. Um, But he says this, "'Snakes, you sons of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell?' That is how he dealt with the people who they were the self-professed leaders of their day. Um, he also uses the same language in Matthew chapter 12, and Job the Baptist uses the language back in Matthew chapter 3. So Jesus, it doesn't seem like, has a very strong interaction history with the people who consider themselves the leaders of the day. Uh, but then I want to look at two times where he ran into the people who would be considered by society of the day to be zeros, Um, both of my examples are going to be women, not because I want to pick on women, but because women in the first century were treated more as property than they were as people. Um, And so anytime Jesus runs across women, he seems much more forgiving. Um, The first one is the Samaritan woman at the well. I'll remind you that Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentiles, and they were despised by both groups. Um, Both groups hated them. And this woman is an outcast among a race of outcasts. She's coming to the well during the middle of the day so that she doesn't have to see the other women who are out drawing water. Um, She doesn't want to be seen by her community. Um, Runs into Jesus, and before Jesus offers her the living water, and a lot of times we jump to that, we we jump to the lesson that, that Jesus teaches her, he offers her two other things. Um, Number one, he offers her conversation, and she's taken aback by that. How can you, a a Jewish man, speak to me, a Samaritan woman? Um, The second thing that he offers her is a chance to serve him, and I always think that that is so interesting. Jesus, who later washes his disciples' feet, doesn't say, hey, let me borrow your water dipper and I'll get you some water. He asks her to serve him. Serving is a very unifying experience. Um, In serving, you don't care who is helping you serve. You don't care the political affiliation. You don't care if they cheered for the Sooners yesterday or the Cowboys. Um, You just are there to serve them. I think serving also makes you appreciate what you have. This woman did not have the love and and support of her superiors, of her peers, uh, but she did have a couple of things that Jesus did not have, at least on that day, and that was a way to to, to draw water, Um, and she also had a home to go back to. Um, so when Jesus tells her everything that she had done in her life, she goes back to her peers, to her community, explains what's going on, and, and brings them to Jesus as well. An argument could be made that this woman's isolation was her own fault because of the choices that she had made. She was a five-time lo- loser at love. Um, she was living with a man that wasn't her husband. And if you'll remember another interaction that Jesus had with another woman, they bring her in caught in the act and what were they supposed to do with her at that time? What did they want Jesus to con- condone them doing? They wanted to stone her. Um, so here's this woman who is living in adultery. Um, a lot of the, 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 the predicament that she was in was her own fault. But there's a woman that Jesus runs into that is certainly not her fault. There's a woman with an issue of blood, and she has had this issue for 12 years. Um, I won't embarrass myself by trying to explain what that is. But if you go back and and read Leviticus, you'll explain, you'll read um, how the Jewish people were to treat the women who were having the issue of blood. And basically it was isolation. They They were unclean at that point. And so for 12 years, this woman had been living in mostly isolation. Very, very few interactions with other people because that would make them unclean as well. Jesus didn't have to spit in the dirt and make mud Jesus didn't ask her to go dip seven times in any water. All she did was touch his robe, and she was instantly healed. And it, he could have been done with it at that point, but he goes back, and, and, and when, she, when he heals her, she turns around. he turns around and, and he looks for her um, and speaks with her. And so after 12 years of loneliness, and if you're keeping track, that would be like today going back to 2004. Um, She had been living in isolation since 2004. The first person that she has meaningful contact with is Jesus. Um, Very powerful. So we have the hero, we have the zero. My third person is Tim Tebow. I first heard of Tim Tebow when he was a freshman quarterback at the University of Florida. They would bring him in on trick plays, usually close to the goal line. Um, He would quarterback sneak the ball in. Um, again, as a Razorback fan, I hated him. Um, he began starting um, as the quarterback his sophomore year, and by the end of the year, he won. He was the first sophomore to ever win the Heisman Trophy, which is the award given to the, the, the best all-around football player at any position. Um, he had a short NFL career. He was drafted by the Broncos. They kept him for a year until they got Peyton Manning. Then he bounced around in the league. Um, when, when nobody else wanted him, he became an analyst for ESPN. and covers SEC football. Uh, beginning this year, he became a professional baseball player. Um, his first pitch as a professional baseball player, he hit it out of the park, and he was on all the news stations um, as doing that. Um, hadn't had such a great career since then, but as you can tell in the picture, he's got a Bible verse written in the, the black ink under his, his eyes. They've now made a rule that... that Football players cannot do that any longer, and they call it the Tim Tebow rule. He lives his faith out loud. Um, I see him occasionally pop up on the news where he's praying for someone. Um, He's riding an airplane, something happens, a medical condition, he sits down and he prays with his people and it makes the news. What a lot of people don't know about Tim Tebow is that his mother, when she became pregnant with him, got very ill. Um, There were missionaries in the Philippines. The doctors gave her medicine. Um, It messed up the pregnancy, and the doctors told her that if the child wasn't born, stillborn, that he would probably have Down syndrome. And so Tim Tebow has thought about this his entire life. What if I would have been born with Down syndrome? What would my life look like as someone with Down syndrome? Certainly we wouldn't be talking about him today. No professional career, no college career, probably no college but I would like to take just a second and ask you to put yourself in those shoes. If you were a parent, what would life look like if you had a child with Down syndrome? If you're not a parent, if you had a sibling with Down syndrome? If you're not a parent and you don't have a sibling, what would it look like, what would it look like if you had Down syndrome? Down syndrome comes with medical conditions, so you're probably going to spend a lot of time in a hospital. Once your child is old enough to start elementary school, who are their friends at school? Who do they sit by at lunch? What names do they get called? What names have you possibly called them? When they get older and they start junior high and middle school, what kind of school activities do they participate in? How many times do they get to play for first chair? How many times do they score the game-winning goals? How many times do they get applauded when they're singing in the choir? When they advance on to high school, what do their college acceptance letters look like? What is their goal for their ACT score? If college is not in the books for them, what does their career trajectory look like? What is the outlook for, for them having a job? Many... and and, and The Night to Shine is not just about Down syndrome, but many Down syndrome kids have never been honored outside their own home. Sadly, a lot of them haven't even been honored inside their own home. Um, I believe that every person is made in the image of God and fiercely loved by Him. Not just the intelligent ones, not just the pretty ones, not just the ones who root for the Sooners or the Cowboys, every one of them. And so, thinking about all this, Tim Tebow through his charitable foundation, created a night to shine. And I will tell you that this event is not about Tim Tebow. Again, everything that he does, just about everything he does, makes news. And so he wants to use his fame to do something positive in a community. Um, so he created this, this night to shine. And basically what it is, it is a prom-style event for people with special needs. And again, it doesn't have to be Down syndrome Um, physical or mental, anyone with a special need is invited to this event. Well, what it it would look like at West Ark is at about 6 o'clock, people would start arriving. Um, The Tim Tebow Foundation calls them kings and queens. Um, They are the honored guests for the night. Um, But their caregivers bring them, and they can either drop them off, and they can go do their own thing, but they're invited to bring them in, and then they can go to what's known as a respite room, and they can watch a movie or they can play games. Um, They can meet other people in their caregiving situation. Um, Once the king or queen gets here, they're assigned a buddy, somebody to take care of them, um, to go with them, to help them maneuver through the night. Um, There will be people here to help the ladies with their hair and makeup. There will be men here to shine shoes for the, the men that come in, Um, Any last-minute wardrobe changes that need to be made, they have help doing that. Um, Cool thing, I think, is is, is you hire a limo service, and a limousine will take them from our front door around to the Family Life Center. As they exit the limo, they exit to a red carpet, and people are standing there cheering for them just for showing up. Again, some of these people have never been honored before, and now they have paparazzi is what they call them. uh, People cheering for them. So they enter the building through a red carpet to cheers, people clapping for them. As they enter the, the, the gym area, of the Family Life Center, more cheers, but they're announced, and everybody cheers every time they get announced. Um, they're fed dinner. Um, Tim Tebow Foundation wants us to use Chick-fil-A, and I've already had a couple of conversations with their gentlemen about providing a meal for them. Um, then they can go to the dance floor, or they can go sing karaoke. Uh, one of the videos that I watched, there's a, a gentleman probably in his 50s or 60s singing karaoke except he's completely nonverbal. verbal um, so the crowd is singing I love rock and roll Joan Jett's version of that and he's just up there grinning from ear to ear taking it all in um, it was beautiful um, dancing, karaoke any other activities that we want to do at some point there's a crowning um, but I will tell you that every man every king gets a crown and every queen that shows up gets a tiara. So they're all kings and queens of the ball. Um, every single one of them that shows up. Um, there's a crowning ceremony where it's official. There's a video message. And then at 9 o'clock, it's done. It's three hours out of our life. I mean, there's a lot of leading up to it, but it's three hours of our life. If all of this comes together like it should, it will look something like this. You may be able to think of some more, but it came up with some goals for us. For the night uh, First one of course is to honor the kings and queens that show up To show them that they are truly loved by God um, To show them that they are loved by us uh, We also want to provide rest for their caregivers um, Give them a place where they can go And, and just take a break from, from having to, to, to care for these people all the time um, I think the big one is we want to provide a, a community A place where these people can lean on each other um, where they can support each other and very much like we do for our foster families um, support them in their, their caregiving be friendly, inviting, intimate, particip- participatory I didn't know how to say this without being completely selfish um, but I want the name of Westark to get out in the community um, I want other people to know that, that we're doing this um, and so that they can come here Last year, when I heard about this, I heard about it through the local news stations. Um, Cross Church up in northwest Arkansas did this. I heard about it on National Christian Radio. K-Love is one of the sponsors, and I heard about it on local Christian radio. Um, And they were all pointing to to the Cross Church. I want them to point to West Ark when they talk about this. Um, And again, I think that, that, that if we are friendly, inviting, intimate, participatory, it will go a long way. We also want to grow this mission field. About nine days before we had our trunk or treat out here, um, we hosted a fall festival for younger children with special needs. Uh, Dina somehow got involved with the group and set it up, um, and a lot of you who work in the school district um, in this area showed up. the Thrive group, group showed up huge for us, uh, but we got to serve a meal and we got to play games, and we got to just host a big group of people, and the younger ones had special needs. So again, God is, God is using us, and I think he's opening doors for us, um, and I just want to be able to step through that. Seen the video, look at the goals. I will tell you that I grew up in a very conservative, small-town church of Christ. I was taught from when I was very little until I was old enough to go to one that dancing was sin, and not necessarily that dancing was sin, but what dancing led to was sin, If you feel that way, I would never ask you to do anything that would violate your conscience. Um, If you do not want to be involved in a prom-style event, then please do not. But please pray for the mission field anyway. Pray for the workers. We're going to need that. However, if you watch the video and you think, Man, I want to be a part of that. I don't think that that is sin. You're invited to prom. Um, Come help us. We need a lot of help. Um, I have three slides that are that full. ...of people that we need to help. Um, number one, we want people to go out and invite the kings and queens. Um, there's a form on our website, both for the, the, the volunteers to sign up to help... Uh, ...but also our honored guests can sign up through our website. Uh, those of you who work with the special needs in the public schools, we want you to invite your students. We want you to invite their families. Um, those of us who have coworkers with children or co-workers with grandchildren with special needs... Uh, we've printed out some special invitations that, that aren't here right now, but they will be by next week. We want to get those invitations in your hands so that you can hand them out to the families of the people with the special needs. Um, parking team, the red carpet team, uh, the hoopers and the hollowers, check-in table, um, people to work the respite room. Somebody to get these families to interact with each other, to play games, to watch a movie, uh, to build that community where these people will, will learn on, to lean on each other and learn to lean on us. Um, Hair and makeup team, and I think that I've heard that that Lindsay Allen is going to help with that. Thank you very much. Um, But she needs more help. Um, So if you're good at at painting faces and gluing hair, we want you involved in that. Um, Gentlemen, if you know how to to shine shoes, we we would like your help in in, in shining shoes. Um, And this is one of those things where, where there's going to be a time... For the first hour from 6 to 7, there's the, the hair and the makeup and the shoe shining and all of that going on. But you're not just limited to that. You don't need to leave right then. You can go and you can hoop and holler when they get out of the limo. Or you can work the dance floor. Um, you can work in the respite room. You can sign up for, for, for more than these. We need a videographer. Um, we actually, they, they wanted us to have three photographers. It just so happens that we have three photographers um, in our congregation. And I hammered each one of them really hard. Um, and got them to volunteer their time and their efforts and energy, so, so thank you to the, the, the photographers. Um, we need people who will walk with the kings and queens um, to, to help them to get around, ride in a limo with them, walk out with them, um, show them where everything's at, show them where the restrooms are, show them where, where the respite room is. Um, flower team, each one of the, the kings and queens gets a corsage or a boutonniere. Um, we need people to take pictures. We need a dance floor team, a sensory team. Uh, Dewan Cogswell has volunteered to, to oversee the decorations, but she's going to need help with that. Um, need a medical team. Um, they want us to have an a ambulance standing by. Um, so doctors, nurses, EMTs, um, we would like to have you as well. Gift takeaway team all the way down. Those with business connections that would be help, interested in helping out with this, um, either in a financial way or, or some other way. Again, I've talked to Chick-fil-A about donating um, some of their food. Called Pepsi-Cola, the distributor here in town, waiting to hear back from them. But if you know somebody who who has a flower shop and would be interested in volunteering with this, um, we will use all the help that we can get. This is a one-night event. Um, I'm asking for your help to try it one time. And the Tim Tebow Foundation has put up about half of the money that we need um, so, so the, the outlaying of, of, of cash is not that big, but it's going to be a big-time investment. If we do this and we decide that this is not what God wants us to do, or if you don't want to do that, then next year we don't sign up to do this. Um, but I think that, that this will be the best night of 2017 for a lot of us. I want to end where I started at in Luke chapter 22. God wants us to serve. Um, it's radical thinking from a radical God. And I will tell you that I want to host Night to Shine because I believe that in honoring those kings and queens, we're ultimately honoring the king of kings. It would be a great honor for us if you would allow us to serve you. If you would like for our church leaders to pray for you as you're leaving the building, the room on the right with the church pews in it, there will be elders in there to pray for you. Um, If you want to put on Christ in baptism or if there's any other way, that we can serve you, it would be our honor to do so. If you'll come, as together we stand and as we sing.
2: Bless be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that. Of